Hello and welcome to another podcast, Valley Sunday. I am one of your hosts, Chris Paco. And I'm the other host, Jeff Cameron. How's it going, Jeff? It's pretty good. Pretty good. Excellent. Excellent. Always good to hear. Yeah, man. So here we are. We're at Monkey's number 30, the 30th episode. Is, and it's also time to point out, now that we're done episode 29, we are officially half done. That's crazy. Half done the episodes themselves. Wow. That's, that's something. We've come such a long way. From <laughs> For real. Our first episode that was over an hour long without a countdown. <laughs> <laughs> Roughly a year ago, by the way, we started recording these. Yeah, very close. All right, so we'll get right into it here. This is uh, The Monkeys in Manhattan, a.k.a. The Monkeys Manhattan Style. Yeah. Which I, I like The Monkeys Manhattan Style better. <laughs> I think I agree. Yeah. Um, directed by Russell Mayberry mm. and uh, written by Gerald Gardner and our buddy Angry D. Caruso. Oh, shit. And uh, originally Stay aired... Back. What's that? They're back. Yep, back again. They don't need that third person to round out the, uh, the <laughs> no. sentimentality that they do not have. And, uh, originally aired April 10th, 1967. So we're coming up to the summer of love. It's like looming. It's right there. Wow. So uh, it's getting crazy. It was a 67, the summer of love? Or was it 67? 60? was the summer of love. Okay, uh, yeah. Like 69 was Woodstock. Yeah, it was like the peace, love, and music kind of thing. Yeah. It's where the, where the wave broke. It opens up with this shot of Manhattan in all its, like, 1967 hustle and bustle glory. Yes. Which is pretty sweet. It feels like 100 years ago, that shot of uh, Times Square. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's all, like, light bulbs and stuff. It's not, like, <laughs> neon crazy. I, I think that is the exact amount of this episode that actually takes place in Manhattan. <laughs> yeah, I think so, too. And uh, so the boys walk through, like, a turnstile-type door. And Davey's singing New York, New York, just to make sure we know yes. New York. Drive it home. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the guy at the desk is on the phone, and they interrupt him to ask where McKinley Baker is. And he's like a big Broadway producer who told the boys that they'd be in his next musical. So they're super yeah. stoked. It's the, the big break they've been waiting for all season. For real. Um, the guy behind the desk says, uh, more show business types. And he tells them <laughs> the room, where the room is, and so off they go. They get to room 304. McKinley opens the door. And uh, for what is probably the first time ever, a grown-up is happy to see the monkeys. <laughs> you may be right. <laughs> He's so wow. stoked to see them. And it's like, oh, this is very different. This is a different feel already. <laughs> and uh, he says that as soon as he saw them in that little club out west, he knew that they'd be perfect for his rock and roll musical. And yeah. uh, he asks if they had a good flight. And Mickey tells him that they came by bus. Says they took the Blem line. Sure, you know, it's such a pleasure to take Blem and leave the driving to them. <laughs> this is funny. And uh, he asks where they're staying, and they don't have anywhere to stay. So he says they can stay with him because he's got plenty of room. It's like they, they didn't plan this well at all. <laughs> no. He's got his drum set in a suitcase, apparently. Yeah, exactly. I think they just showed up hoping he would, he'd put them up. He's like, and I like how in, in like less than a sentence, they established, hey, saw you guys out west. I loved you. Come on out here. Like quickly, quickly established yeah. why they're there. <laughs> yeah. Why they know, why he knows them. Yeah. They're very good now at getting the point across quickly. <laughs> they don't need a lot of song and dance. They're just like, boom, this is it. And uh, so there's a knock at the door. And now the real adult, Mr. Weatherwax and his stooge oh, show boy. up. And uh, he tells him that he's sick of waiting for the rent, and McKinley has to leave in one hour, which is like pretty short notice there, bud. 
For real. Like one hour? Come on. And then that's it. And then the intro comes in. Mm. They got a minute 45 this time. And a lot, and a, they got a lot in there in that they intro. They crammed a whole bunch of non monkey people into this episode already. It's, it feels overstuffed yeah. immediately. Yeah. Yeah. There's already, yeah, like three new people they're dealing with. Yep. So in the room, McKinley, who's Richard Anders in real life, mm. he says that if he could just stay there till noon, he'd have the money because when the backers of the music, because that's when the backers of the musical are going to pay him. Yeah. And uh, Mike says that they can stall for three hours. And then Mac goes out to get the money. So it's one thing that monkeys are good at. It's like stalling for time. (laughs) (laughs) They've got ruses. They've got musical numbers. They've got all kinds of stuff they can do. Oh, yeah. So then in the lobby, the stooge says to Weatherwax that if he can just wait till tomorrow, McKinley will have the money from his backer. But then Weatherwax says it's a matter of principle. And it turns out that he's promised the room to a big shot from the the rabbit breeders convention. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there's got to be something behind that there's got to be some kind of inside joke or something like a rabbit breeders convention because so I don't know. I, so I the rabbit is what it is yeah, yeah it's rabbits around <laughs> yeah exactly they probably pr- promised that guy he'd have a role in the show and like well christ okay fine rabbit breeder and uh, so the guy the rabbit breeder dude he's super creepy and pretty drunk yeah and he's almost like vincent price in a way he's like you know <laughs> So he asks if the room is ready for him, and he hands him a bill, and Weatherwax says he'll be ready in five minutes, even though he just said an hour. He just gave the guys an hour. So Weatherwax, is, he's, he's a shifty character to everybody. For real. It's the worst. And so the creep show with the bunny, they go to the bar. <laughs> and so Weatherwax and Stooge, they go up to the room, which on the door says 305 in this shot, but it's 304, yeah. which is weird. But uh, Mike Weather, answers yeah. the door. And uh, weather wax is, is way too loud. And Mike keeps telling him to be quiet. <laughs> Your hour is up. Shh, no, please be quiet. You can come in, but you can only stay just a few minutes. I can wash him. And then please be quiet. And uh, they go in the room and Peter's laying on the bed covered in spots. And Mickey's over him like in doctor's garb with a stethoscope. And Mickey says that Peter's in bad shape. And he asks if weather wax is his next of kin. And holds out the stethoscope while Peter, while Weatherwax yells into it. And then Mickey <laughs> yells at him to quiet down again. So Weatherwax says that he's not his next of kin. He's the manager of the hotel. And he sends Stooge for the hotel doctor. <laughs> Stooge. And then Weatherwax says that Peter's going to have to leave the room. And Mickey says he can't move somebody who has the plague. Plague? Is it contagious? Have you ever seen a plague that wasn't? <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's so timely. It's timely right now. Yeah, for real. No one wearing masks, I just have to point out. <laughs> uh, so the stooge brings the doctor in, and there's a weird cut with a close-up with the doctor who just says, visiting hours are over. And a close-up of Davy who replies, it's 9 a.m. And it seems like wow. it, was, it was just stuck in there afterwards, that, that cut. <laughs> just such a weird, out-of-place cut. You know my visiting hours are over. But it's 9 a.m. So Weatherwax tells the doctor to find out if Peter's really sick. Of course he's sick. He had shower when he was 12 years old. (laughs) (laughs) So the the doctor puts a thing up to Peter's eye and tells him to say, ah, which is funny. Mickey says that if the doctor's going to look over his patient, he's not going to be liable for anything. And the ethics practice committee would like to hear about this. So the doctor says he doesn't want to deal with them again. And then he takes off with uh, Weatherwax in tow. While Mickey was talking, he takes off his glasses he's wearing, cleans them, and then puts them on upside down. (laughs) It's just a weird Mickey move. 
And then Peter asks how his heartbeat is. Fine, but the melody don't make it. Listen, it's 10 o'clock. We got to keep these guys out here till 12. You know, dun, oh dun, dun. So in the lobby, Creepy Bunny Guy, which was the original <laughs> title of Donnie Darko. I don't know if you know <laughs> that. But uh, <laughs> he comes back from the car carrying a bunch of rabbits. And uh, he asks about his room. And Weatherwax says that they're just making it up. And then Creepy Bunny Guy says he'll be in the bar. And he's tanked already. He's so drunk. So Weatherwax says they've got to starve the boys out of the room and tell his room service not to bring them any more food. But it's really just two hours. So I don't know how this whole starving and out situation's going to work. Yeah, I don't know. These things don't write themselves, you know. Yeah. we got to figure out ways to do it. Yeah, well, the monkeys never eat anyway. So they're not going to be hungry. <laughs> they have no food ever. Like, the boys ruse their way into the most food I've ever seen on an episode of The Monkeys here. It's very true. Absolutely. <laughs> so Mike's on the phone in the room, and he orders room service to room 305. And Davey says why he's doing that if they're in room 304. And it, somehow Mike already knows about Weatherwax's plans and knows to send it to the wrong room so they'll actually get the food. Which also mm. might be why he was in th- room 305. You know what I mean? I there must have been a, yeah. a, either a switch in editing or, or just a mess I, up. I don't I'm know. I'm not sure what. Don't, don't have. So the waiter comes up to 305, and he appears to interrupt a newlywed couple who are very much in love. And he says, oh, I'm sorry, sir, and leaves. And then Mike and Davey stop him in the hallway and asks, asks him to say, I'm sorry, sir, again. And he does, and they, like, swoon over it. <laughs> and Mike tells him that he's perfect for the role of the prince and asks him to come into his room so they can talk. Mike asks if he'd want to be in a Broadway musical, and the waiter says that he's heard that being an actor is really hard, and what would he have to do? And Mike tells him that he would have to get some, some rye bread and some cold cuts, and the waiter balks at that. Couldn't do that. This is 304. Well, it's not. It's 5 after 10. <laughs> so Mike woos him enough that he leaves to get the food, and he says, don't forget the pickles, and uh, then Mike winks at the camera. Also in this episode, there's a lot of here to there, like a lot of different location cutting back and forth yeah, in this one. Uh, so back in the lobby, Weatherwax asks the stooge who's stuffing envelopes <laughs> that go flying everywhere uh, if he'd starved them out yet. And Stooge says, how hungry can you get in a half an hour? Which is a great <laughs> for point real. for he's, Stooge to have. Like, yeah, he's, he's calling out their, this, the, the lameness of the idea. Yeah, he's like the one guy who sees through the monkey's mustache ruse. And sees it's the monkeys. He's just like the, the one guy with like a functioning brain. <laughs> and and uh, so creepy bunny guy walks up carrying a cage full of white rabbits and holding a few and asks, and he's holding a few more rabbits. And he asks about the room. Weather, Weatherwax feeds him some bull crap. And Drunky Punk <laughs> says, I've been waiting and waiting and sitting in your bar drinking and talking to the barmaids. And well, it's been hours. We're doing our best. No hurry. He's got his priorities straight. Tricky fuck. <laughs> See, we're spending a lot of time with some non-monkey people in this episode. It re- yeah, it is. I think it's. I think it's. Uh, Caruso's trying to beef up his resume. <laughs> He's trying to show he can write for other people as well. In the room, uh, Mickey finds a song from McKinley's play, and Davy says they should try it on for size. And Mickey says it doesn't fit and holds it up to s- in front of Mike to see if it fits him. No, E flat never was my color. That's not very funny. Then in the lobby, Weatherwax tells Stooge to get the house detective because they'll throw them out. Which leads us into Monkey's Romp number one, The Girl That I Knew Somewhere. 
Yeah. It was a, an interesting song for this for this part. Like it doesn't have uh, a lot of correlation to what's going on, but it's a great song. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's a rumpy song. Yeah. I, I don't think they ever do like a performancey thing for the song. Yeah, no, I don't think so either. It's always like this romp material. Yeah. But this romp... You never see that with, there's never them with the shirts on playing the song. Yeah, no, they're never like in the purple room or whatever, yeah. playing away. And so it, a lot goes on in this romp. There's like Weatherwax, the stooge, and the detective storm in the room, and the boys run into another room, and they all run out into the hallway where there's like a clown and a guy doing dog tricks. And it, it must be the show business people, right? Because there's so many people in New York, show business people. Oh, yes, of course. Then Mike is being chased by Stooge, and he runs into an elevator, and there's a juggler outside of it, and Stooge stops to juggle a bit, showing off some skills. Then he oh, takes yeah. off. Mickey runs out of a window and takes the fire escape and is chased by the detective. They run into the honeymoon suite, where the groom is still wrestling with the cork on the champagne. That's what he's trying to open in the, when they go yeah. in there the first time. Mickey takes the bottle and uses the drawer to open it, but when he slams the bottle down, it just breaks the drawer off. And he throws the bottle back to the groom and takes off. Could you imagine you're trying to open it? Some guy breaks in your room, grabs the bottle, breaks the dresser, throws the bottle back to you, and runs away. What a honeymoon. Different times, man. Yeah. Um, so it goes into a weird slow motion-like dream low angle of the, sh- of the boys like jumping over the fountain and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Mike runs through the lobby, throws paper everywhere, and Stooge runs after him through the spinny doors. And then we cut to some, like, super old footage of Mike, Mickey, and Peter on a merry-go-round. Like, yeah, original romp like stuff. Pilot. Yeah. The pilot pilot, not the first episode. But, like, yeah, it's old shit. And along with um, the other footage they just showed, it's like uh, we're already going into, like, clip show territory. Yeah. Yeah, it's very strange. And then they're back in the lobby where Mike is chasing Stooge. Creepy bunny guy shows up staggering around with some yeah. rabbits. And the boys are climbing up the side of the building, walking along the edge. Mike does some magic with Stooge, making a bunch of bunnies appear in their arms and stuff like that. The boys are just running out of the hotel down the street, and they're dressed as, like, different workers. Like, Mike's a cop. Tells Weatherwax and Stooge to keep moving, and again winks at the camera. This is a, this should be called Mike Winks at the Camera, this episode. <laughs> and then there's more cool slow-motion shots uh, of... I don't know why I loved those slow motion shots of them like jumping over. Yeah. If it almost these, these were definitely in California. And like Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. They were a digital Manhattan thing. We're using the cool footage of them hopping and doing their hard days nightish, but in California rompery. That's what I was gonna say. It reminds me a lot of a hard days night those shots. For real. A lot. And uh like any and any time there's like a fire escape. Yes. Yeah. Feels hard days nighty. Yeah. And then they climb down the fire escape again, go back into the room where the waiter has brought them food. And, uh, oh, yeah. and they just start eating their faces off. <laughs> and that's like the end of the romp right there. And so oh. Mike tells the waiter uh, that he brought everything and that it's wonderful. So the waiter asks about weather wax. Oh, no, the liverwurst and artichokes are just plain. No, sir, I mean, what about the hotel manager? Let him get his own artichokes and liverwurst. <laughs> <laughs> They're very good at just deflecting and just not answering yeah, questions. Sure. So Weatherwax tells Stooge, and uh, he's going to go ambush them and kick them out. And he flings open the door, and he says, all right, your hour is up. But it turns out that it's the honeymoon suite. Whoops. And uh, as they used to say in YM Magazine, he was mortified. (laughs) Uh, 
He looks into the he looks at the room number and it's three oh four and realizes that the boys have switched the room numbers and maybe this is why it said three oh five earlier. So maybe they did a, yeah. a pre switch before everything. Mm. So Weatherwax and Stooge bust in the room and Weatherwax says they have to go. Peter and Davy start to escort Weatherwax out of the room, but the waiter gets in the way. Then the bride and groom come in and he asks if anyone can open the bottle for him. And then the bride says, He can do anything. (laughs) (laughs) First day of the honeymoon. Honeymoon's over, bud. Honeymoon's (laughs) over. And uh, so there are chimes and then Peter says it's 12 o'clock and Mickey walks in dressed like a cowboy. High noon. <laughs> gun, gun. Yeah, yep. Gun shows up, and then uh, McKinley shows up, and Weatherwax asks, "Have you got a baker backer? Have you got a backer baker? Baker backer?" <laughs> it kind of goes on like that for a second, uh-huh. and then McKinley says that the backer backed out, and Weatherwax tells him they have twenty minutes to get out, or he'll call the cops unless anyone has anything to say about it, and then everyone just kind of goes crazy. It's just like oh, yeah. chaos. Uh, the groom finally pops the cork, wink, wink, and then uh, it cuts to a shot from Monkey versus Machine when the yeah. boomerang smashes through the window and hits Peter in the stomach. <laughs> so somehow the cork goes outside and then comes through the window and, tu- and hits Peter. And turns into Even a boomerang. Even though it was the footage. Like, <laughs> like. That cork popped so hard it went back in time, pulled Peter out of that episode, stuck him in this episode, and punched him in the stomach with a boomerang. Maybe maybe that shot cost them a fortune. They're just trying to find a way to use it again. <laughs> yeah, Crusoe is pissed. He's like, you didn't use that well enough. I wrote that perfectly. A boomerang could be a cork, you idiot. It's all in your mind. And so, yeah, that was so weird that they cut to that thing. But now the bride is super happy and hugs the groom as the bottle just jizzes champagne everywhere. <laughs> and... uh so the boys and McKinley are packing their stuff up and Mac is complaining that he shouldn't have come to New York and, he, and Mike tells him that there must be someone in New York who wants to give money to produce a musical written by an unknown, directed by an unknown, starring the monkeys. <laughs> it doesn't go over well, so they go back to packing. Sure, take plenty of socks. <laughs> uh, so the boys are leaving and Peter notices that there's a mil- millionaire's club. And they run out of the room, and Mickey looks at the camera and says, Well, it's worth a try. <laughs> this is one of the first, like, uh, you think it's the end of the episode, but it's not. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, wah, wah, they're going home, and something's going to happen. But then it's like, no, they still have this whole millionaires thing to go to. Yeah. They have More people. It just so many people in this episode. Yeah, it's a big episode. And so Davey goes up to the door, tells the doorman that his family goes back nearly 400 years to the first rich people. <laughs> he introduces Mike and asks what his ranch is called in Texas and Mike says uh, Houston <laughs> <laughs> and Mickey pops up in a questionable outfit in 2020 as a chic but thankfully <laughs> and honestly surprisingly he doesn't use an accent or anything he just talks like Mickey except yeah, a little more uh, subdued he yeah, doesn't put on a weird uh, it's not offensive yeah <laughs> overtly yeah just wearing the outfit so that's, I think that's okay and uh, he says he wants to put a new wing on the building. And the doorman says they can't accept gifts. And Mickey says it's not a gift, it's charity. <laughs> and Peter is introduced as the son of a rich man who's in garbage disposal. And uh, Davey says that before they join the, join the club, they'd have to take a look around. And the doorman doesn't seem to think there's anything wrong with that. and just lets them in. Nope. <laughs> Which, uh, you know, different times, I guess. For real. And uh, so Davey and Peter try to shake down this old man. And they have a couple jokes about being rich, and then they mention the musical. 
And Mickey sits down next to another old white dude. And he asks Mickey if he's going to invest in the musical. Like, word travels fast. Like, they just oh, talked about it. on that side of the room. Yes, other people know about it. Mickey says that he considers all theater I- immoral. And he says, uh, me and all my wives think it's immoral. That's funny. Mike pops up and an old man asks what the musical's all about. And Mike says it sort of goes like this. And he holds his arms out wide and then smacks his hands together. Kind of like curtains, I guess. Which leads yeah. us to Monkey's Romp number two, Look Out, Here Comes Tomorrow. Another monkey's clip show for the fans at home. It really is. That they've been up to this season. <laughs> and I even wrote, it's like a clip show of all the older romps. <laughs> it's the boys dancing up. in the striped suit in the courtroom with a gavel. Uh-huh. Uh, swords and tuxedos walking sideways up the roof, which is used in the intro. Oh, yeah. Uh, at the pad, playing the song in the blue monkey shirts. Them in the haunted man- mansion in their PJs. Yeah. Uh, in boats at the circus in the Mexican town, the monkey men shot that's in the intro, the grass skirts. And also, this uh, version of Look Out Here Comes Tomorrow is the slightly longer one with the uh, longer organ solo. Yeah. And uh, we just we pulled this song last uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, and we were we were going to talk about the Peter narration. Mm-hmm. If we could find a copy of it to listen to, but eventually we did. Did you listen to it? By the way, I did. Yes. Yeah, it is it's weird. He talks about, uh, here's the instrumental part, and uh, if this part wasn't here, we'd have to do an interview at the end, which is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's pretty awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the instrumental. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed it. And now, back to the song. Well, I- a, a gun shoots at Davey over the bar. From like the uh, the monkey yep. in a ghost town, I think it was. I think, I think you're right. And uh, it might have been the with the purple flower. Game. Yeah, I was thinking I one or the other. Yeah, gee, it was that episode with the gun in it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mike and Peter walk through each other on the tightrope. Playboy Bunny yeah. at the Millionaires Club. At the end, uh, Mike smacks his hands together and says, "What did you think?" And says, "But all the millionaires are sleeping." Oh, jeez. The doorman says that he should have told them that it's the time in the, for the evening nap. And they ask how they fall asleep at the same time. And the doorman says, with, with the help from some brandy. Yep. <laughs> so essentially a doorman, I think, is just drugging all these old white guys to shut them up. <laughs> and uh, he tells them that he's backed a few shows in his day and wanted to keep a good thing for himself. So, uh, yeah, hey. he essentially did just drug them all so he could invest yep. in the musical. Now, uh-huh. what a guy. What a guy. So, yeah, he seems like he's, he saves the day, and he's the monkey's best friend. He loves the boys, and the boys are great. Yeah, and then they're super stoked. Next scene. They all leave together, and then back at the hotel, the boys uh, are stoked. McKinley says that they saved the show, but the backer wants it to be four girls instead of four boys. So he, <laughs> so he can't take his money because he promised the parts to the boys. Like, McKinley's a stand-up dude. For real. Yeah, honestly, stand-up dude. And they tell him that this is a big chance, and then he can hire them for the next musical he writes great guys too like that's a mutual friendship yeah. there for real it's good yeah really nice I, i'm sure i'm sure we'll be hearing a lot from mckinley oh Baker yeah i think he's in every episodes. episode from here on out i think <laughs> yes. uh, they've become great best friends and uh so then they they say they gotta catch a bus and they split gotta take the blem line home oh uh, yeah so in the lobby the boys are stopped by Weatherwax, and he tells them that they have to pay their bill and it's 180 bucks and they all protest, and Mike tells them to shush, and he'll handle it. I'll straighten this out. How can we pay money we don't have? 
<laughs> I like when Mike just gets everybody shush. I've said that to many bill collectors, and they... Uh, uh, oh, yeah. We've, we've all been there, my friend. They don't take it as well as they should. Nope. So, in the end, uh, Mike it's, is... It says you. Yeah. <laughs> What's their problem? I don't, I, don't, I don't see what the big deal is. you got other money. Yeah. It's hard at McDonald's because you have to eat your food so quickly before you pay for it at the counter. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mike is working the desk, and the boys each bring down a cage full of rabbits along with the uh, creepy bunny guy. And then yeah. that's essentially the end. Like, they just have to work off their bill. Yeah. Which, How's that? And, okay, so that's technically the end of the show portion of the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's 18.5 minutes in. Yeah. This includes the supersized Look Out Here Comes Tomorrow clip show and also the other clip showy type romp. This is a slight episode, considering there's so many people in it. Yeah. But it's, like... Content-wise, there was just not a lot of show show in this episode for some reason. I don't know why it played out like that. Gardner and Caruso phoned this one in. (laughs) Maybe this is why they have to bring in a third person sometimes. Because, like, guys, this isn't a full episode. Make it one. Like, okay. (laughs) Let's bring in, you know, whoever the heck to help us out here. (laughs) So then uh, there's an interview segment. Ladies and gentlemen, this part of our record is here, because if it weren't, the record would be 17 seconds too short, and we would have to do an interview at the end. And the boys are asked about their level of fame, and what would they do if it all went away? I'd go back to the village and be a folk singer. How about you, David? I'd go back to the village and watch you be a folk singer. Mike? I'd probably go burn the village. (laughs) (laughs) Burn the village. (laughs) Oh, Mike. Uh, And, uh... Next, they get asked, uh, <clears throat> what would they buy no, if they no, no, could wait, buy... wait, 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 wait. Wait, Mickey says he'd be dating his science teacher. Oh, yes, that's right, yes. <laughs> Which, e... I'd probably be dating my science teacher. <laughs> I don't know, people wouldn't say that these days. Yeah, no, yeah, Mickey. It's Bob Rafelson asking the questions. Because they say at one yeah. point, Bob, they call him Bob. So, Rafelson asked them what they would do if they could buy anything. And Peter says he'd buy Texas. And Davey says some girl's name and then says a little jet. Ursula Andres. Yeah. She's a model actress from Europe. Yeah, all right. See, so he's already... See, he's using the show to try to put out his feelers (laughs) to get the birds. He understands. I know she watches this, man. Hey, come on, babe. Let's buy a little jet. Join the model eye club. Tinder hasn't been invented, man. Yeah, yeah. This is the first social media. (laughs) It's my own show, babe. Yeah. Hashtag, come on, babe. (laughs) And uh, Mike says that he can buy pretty much whatever he wants now and that they've already got what they want. Mike takes a very kind of humble approach to this, which is nice. Uh, Mickey says that once you have enough money, it's not about material possessions and that he'd like to buy a city block and plant orange trees. Such a 67 line right there. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And then uh, Mike says that people should get into liking things that are ugly, like garage doors. In order to dig things uh, that are pretty, it takes no special talent. What it really takes a talent to do is to dig something ugly. Like what? Well, I don't know. You dig something like a garage door. You know, I mean, how many people say, oh, look at that garage door. And then Mike and Davey get into an argument about who's the ugliest. And they both say that they're the ugliest. (laughs) You are not. I'm uglier than you. Yeah, no, I'm the ugliest. I'm the ugliest. It's me, it's me, it's me. All right, I lose. I'm sure Davey, when Mike's like, you should learn to like something ugly. Davey's like, whatever, man. I don't like to work for my looks, babe. And uh, then Peter and Davey have some fun with their makeup guy. 
like Keebler or Keever. Keever, I think his name is. Yeah, and it's kind of funny and kind of cute and everything. And then Bob asked Mike uh, why he really wants to buy a house. And uh, Mike is perplexed by the question. Why do you like that shirt, Bob? <laughs> why do you want a house? To keep the wind off of me. <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> and you can hear the crew losing it in the background. Yeah. <laughs> like they, <clears throat> they love that part. And then, so then that's the end of the interview part. And then we cut to this awesome <laughs> performance of an early version of Words. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's wicked. And it's Davey on drums and wind chimes, Peter on guitar, Mike on bass, and Mickey singing. And it's, yep. it's just an awesome visual monkeys performance, I think, anyway. And the early version of Words is awesome. Yeah, it's very cool. They got that crane. They're in the Valerie room from when they shot the Valerie video that didn't really come out for the song yeah the version of the song that was just on the show for so so long they made both of these in that setup yeah it's interesting with the crane shots and everything yeah and it's a it's a full-on performance and there's a weird flute solo in the middle and uh the boys are rocking out and it's what it's one of the best performances they filmed so far, probably other than the Valerie performance in the same room. Yeah, for real. Yeah, like I wonder if they did them both in the same day. Probably. I would assume they did. Like they had their civvies on for the Valerie yeah. They're in their regular clothes. So they had to pop the red shirts on for yeah. this one. Yeah, because then Davey hops on the drums, and then like I believe earlier in an earlier episode, you said that was like the original. People felt that should have been the the setup of the band, like Davey yeah, on drums. Yeah. They each had actual experience doing those positions. Yeah. Compared to what they were asked to do in the monkeys. I've got experience in lots of positions, man. Don't worry about me. Put me anyway, <laughs> oh. I'll get it done. Davey. <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> so so yeah, and then that is the actual end of the episode, finally. Like it's it's a it yeah. there's a lot in this episode. And it's almost like the actual episode parts are the afterthought to this episode. <laughs> and the interview and the words performance are the the wicked rock out awesome parts. It's, it's true. Like, uh, when did you say this one aired? Uh, April 10th, 67. Okay. Yeah, they're kind of on top of the world at this point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're riding high, high, high. And, uh, yeah, no, it was, but it is interesting how, like, the romps are more clip shows than romp than the romps they've become, which have been more story central romps. Yeah. And, and we're coming up to the end of the season and it sounds like a, 32 episodes seems like a pretty big season order. Maybe it was just kind of like a half done episode and they were like, yeah, okay, we can't, we don't have enough to make this episode. And eventually, okay, we'll grab some interviews, grab, a, grab a whole bunch of, uh, Rump for the rump thing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I also wonder if maybe there was a part where you see McKinley getting denied by the backers. And they're just like, mm-hmm. look, there's too much other people in this episode. <laughs> for real. He can just tell them about it. We'll put in a performance. We'll do clip shows. We'll put in an interview. And we'll fill yeah. this one up. Pretty much those are my overall thoughts of this, of this episode. It's super weird. But, again, it's distributed pretty evenly between the four guys. Yeah. And that seems to it's be a, a good. It's a good episode to show somebody. Yeah, what the monkeys are about, kinda, because they each get to be funny and they do the interview thing and the 
two killer songs. Yeah. Or three, three really good songs. Yeah. No, yeah, it's a, it's a great song episode, that's for sure. And it's just weird. No uh, <laughs> no love interests, though. That's true. They had the, they had the, there was the broad who was already married. Yeah. And, and they snuck a, the bunny lady into the um, millionaire romp. Yeah. Exactly. No intro, no lines, no nothing. Just, just throw her in there with the suit on. Yeah, exactly. So that was my suggestion, man. <laughs> we need some birds as bunnies and some bunnies as birds. <laughs> oh, man, it, there was bunnies all over this episode. Yeah, it's, it should be called the monkey bunnies. <laughs> <laughs> um, was there guns? There was in the, the romp flashback stuff. Yes. And Mickey briefly has the, the high noon click and he just drops the things. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Fun little moment. So a couple of guns there. Um, yeah. Highlight of the show. I'd say the words performance for me. It is pretty cool. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But Mike in the interviews, just how yeah. dry and flabbergasted he is. Just when he says he'd burn so the village funny. down just to <laughs> be burn the village. Dick. And you get wet when it rains if you're living in a parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> like just such such good fun mic. Yeah, a lot of dry mic stuff in this episode, which is yeah. great. Was there a monkey's ruse? Yeah, Mickey's the doctor, Peter being sick, everything at the Millionaire's Club. Oh, that was ruse after ruse. Yeah, lots of rusing. Whole lot of rusing going on. <laughs> uh, fourth wall break. Yeah, Mike winks at the camera twice. <laughs> and then Mickey, the when they try to go into the club. Like, it's worth a shot, right? Yeah. So they're really bringing us together. Uh, oh, and uh, Davey's extreme close-up with the doctor <laughs> thing. Wasn't he talking to the camera? Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. Um, best musical moment for me was words, hands down. Cause it's I think you're right. My highlight of the episode, so it better be the best musical moment, too. They're, they're all good songs, though. Yeah, oh, definitely. Um, something that wouldn't fly in 2020, maybe Mickey dresses the chic. Yeah. That's the closest yeah. thing, I think. Everything else is pretty... That guy getting super trashed. <laughs> talking about Mickey... Yeah, Mickey talking about dating his high school teacher. <laughs> implications. I don't know. Whatever. I wonder if she called him after that. It's like, oh, I saw the episode. I was wondering what you're doing tomorrow night. Boing, boing, boing. Oh, boy. <laughs> so now, yeah, now we're at the Did you knows. Uh The guy who played Weatherwax was Philip Uber... And he uh, he was on I Dream of Genie. Oh, bro. that's the only interesting thing I had for that guy. <laughs> the waiter, Olan Sule or Olan Sul. Somebody's got a weird name, but there is no Olan Oli Sul. <laughs> Funny you should mention that. We'll get to that in a minute. But uh, this dude, the waiter guy, did a lot of time as the cartoon voice of Batman. In various animated productions like Super Friends huh. and uh, the Batman Superman Hour. And so, like, he was the, the voice of Batman for a while. Interesting. That's cool. Bam. Interesting. And uh, <laughs> uh, the, the gentleman with the uh, the bunnies. What, what did you call him a few times? The creepy bunny guy? Yeah. Creepy bunny. The drunky punk? <laughs> drunky punk, yes. Uh, he's, he's the late Foster Brooks. A.K.A. The Lovable Lush oh. created it. This was like an act he did on like The Tonight Show and uh, uh, roasts and things. I see. <laughs> so like he was kind of known for this. That's he his just, move. It just wasn't like uh, 
a one-time thing here on yeah. that thing. But he was on like the Dean Martin celebrity roast and stuff back in the day. He's probably just an alcoholic. <laughs> it wasn't a thing at all. He would just show up and just be himself. <laughs> and uh, and uh, the bride, uh, Susan Howard, was her name, and she played Donna Krebs on Dallas on CBS. Oh, really? In the in the eighties, yes. So she had like so a big like a. That was probably a big role, right? To be on Dallas. Yeah, yeah. I think she was on most of the show, and uh, she also was on an episode of Star Trek. There you go. Uh, like a year after she was on the Monkeys. I find a lot of and people are on Star Trek who have guest spots on Monkeys end up on Star Trek. Oh yeah, because it was definitely shot around the same time, yeah. probably the freaking soundstage next door yeah, or something. I was gonna right? say they're right beside each other, probably. And uh, saving the best for last, uh, the Butler, the doorman. Yep. I looked him up first because his name in real life is uh, Doodles Weaver. Wow. It's his uh, professional name. His real name. There's a number of pretty neat facts about this weird dude. Uh, uh, Winston Sheffield Glenn Denning Dixon Weaver is his full name. Ooh, look out. That's, and they, his mama shortened it to Doodles. <laughs> but he was just a wee baby. And he sort of rolled with that. Thank you, Mom. But he had like five names and a last name. Four names. Winston Sheffield, Glendening, Dixon, Weaver. Wow. Whoa. And he was like an old school radio guy. He's got like a credit list a thousand miles long. He's like a character actor guy who was on like maybe like uh, Andy Griffith show, uh, like Dragnet, Fantasy Island, all this stuff just kind of shows up, does things. Huh. As what normally happens when we look too deep into our the people we're talking about. We get to something gruesome. On January 17th, 1983, Doodles Weaver died of two self-inflicted gunshot wounds to the chest. Ooh, Doodles. Two. Two. How do you... Oh, man, that's terrible. Poor Doodles. How do you... you, He's got to be a quick draw, I guess. (laughs) <laughs> the first one didn't work. Itchy trigger finger doodles. So that's what happened to the guy who did not back the monkeys. Yeah. In, in the musical. He threw out the monkeys, brought in some girls. Yada, yada, yada. <laughs> not one, but two self-inflicted gunshot wounds. Holy Unreal. moly. Sorry, sorry about that. It's hard to come back from any time we start talking about uh, self-inflicted gunshot wounds. But we got to get back to it. Indeed. Well, it seems to happen more often than I would have expected. On the Monkeys podcast, talking about people shooting themselves. Well, when there's guns around. Yeah, too it's many just a guns. Of time. Too many guns. <laughs> so oh, that's a season two episode. Uh, we'll get to that later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> too many guns. Too many guns. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, that's that episode. And, uh, yeah. That's, yeah, it was, it was definitely a, a weird, different episode that, yeah, definitely seems thrown together and, uh, weird. Mm. One last note about Doodles Weaver. It's a fun one. Uh, his niece is Sigourney Weaver. Really? Yep. Wow. That's, 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 that's crazy. That's uh, way less depressing than <laughs> how he killed himself. We'll go with that <laughs> so, one. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll end, with, we'll end with that one. Yeah, that's, that's, that's very interesting. For real. So if I, if I ever meet Sigourney Weaver, I'm going to be like, your uncle was on the monkeys. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? <laughs> uncle Doodles? So is it is it that time? I believe it is. But I'm going to uh, have a little. Uh, what am I going to say? A little announcement, a little surprise. I would say well, for here you we here. Go. So Jeff, 
Uh, it's 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 a long way away from Christmas or your birthday, I have to say. But True. but uh, there's going to be a little announcement for you, a little a little birthday slash Christmas gift for you. Uh, I'm terrified. <laughs> I was I was uh, speaking with your sister Jen yesterday. It was a family gathering over here. Oh, wow. And uh, we we talked, and for your birthday slash Christmas, we need you to go to Mike Nesmith's video ranch. Oh, no. Choose something you like, and we're oh. getting you the Zoom meet and greet with Mike Nesmith oh, my live and in person for your birthday and Christmas. Oh, my goodness. So, oh, so that's a big surprise. Holy shit. <laughs> so we'll let the people know that Mike Nesmith right now, if you go, this isn't a plug. He didn't pay us to do this. I wish he did. Or even <laughs> asked us because then it means he knows we exist. <laughs> unsolicited. Unsolicited. If you go to videoranch.com and you order something for an extra fee, you can do a meet and greet with Mike Nesmith and he'll sign whatever you order with a Zoom call with you and talk to you for 15, 20 minutes. Holy Jesus. And I've set, I've set myself up for that. And, uh, and I was like, I can't be the only one in Podcast Valley <laughs> Sunday getting this amazing face-to-face meeting with the Mike Nesmith. Oh. And so yesterday I, I brought it up to your sister, dude, and I was like, we should do this. And she's like, we should do this. So wow. now you are going to get to talk to Mr. Mike Nesmith as well. Holy shit. And uh, face-to-face over a computer wow. mind you but still face to face that's uh that's something else and wow yeah. thank you so much you're, i don't know what to say you're that's, very welcome uh, it's a uh, mind mind shattering boom i'm just uh <laughs> yeah i got yeah i knew i was like i can't just do this myself i i wouldn't even be happy about it i feel so guilty because like i said man i might be like troy when he met lavar burton on community <laughs> i might be i might be catatonic that's what i'm worried about <laughs> for myself so i'll let you know how it goes <laughs> For real. That's the announcement. You and I are go, like, both going to be talking with Mike Nesmith. In, oh, my God. Yeah. It's like what it's you and me talking to Mike Nesmith. It's like we're waiting. Garth met Alice Cooper. It really is, man. <laughs> it's it's a thing that I never I, I was talking to somebody. I said it's on the level of like meeting the Beastie Boys to me. Like something no, someone that's had there. such a huge impact on my actual life. Mm-hmm, but I never thought I'd actually converse with them. And uh, it's, it's wild. coming up. It's going to be crazy. Wow. So now you can start freaking out like I am, but what the heck do you talk to him about not look like a dummy? Uh, You son of a Well, that's okay. Well, thank you. Oh, thank you. A billion thank yous. That's just too much. I don't know what to say. I love that the monkeys has grown together, so we had to uh, both experience it. It's true. Jeez Louise. Okay, so now, after that big announcement, it is now time for the other awesome part of the show. So, who's first this week? I never remember. Yeah. You can go first. Okay. You, got, you got the green hat. I do. You got to. <laughs> All right, so here we go. Reaching in, reaching in. I've got a piece of paper. Here we go. Jam or jelly, what do you think before I look at it? It's going to be a jelly. All right. It's going to be a jelly. Here we go. Run away from life. Oh, boy. <laughs>
To Run Away From Life From Justice, uh, written by Peter, sung by Davey. For justice, it has that justice feel for it, that's for sure. Yeah. Just the dirty guitars. Yeah. And uh, it's got the cool organ sound, too. I think uh, I think Peter might have a lot to do with most a lot of the instrumentation on this, from the keyboards to the wacky guitar sounds and the solo and things. The solo is the highlight of the song, I think. <laughs> it's pretty darn neat. It's like the acid kicks in. <laughs> and you're blown away. Vicky singing backup is always a uh, good to have good guy to have at your back. But no, that was definitely um definitely something else, man. That that song's crazy. <laughs> so it's a it's a tune. Yeah, it's a justice tune. It is justice tune. It's a good tune for justice. It's like like we were saying, it's not a bad song by any means. It's just a weird kind of. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a, it's a jamly. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, aside from it's obviously Davy and Mickey, not much else about it sounds like the monkeys, maybe. Yeah. Because <laughs> we're like, there's something between us and this song that's like not, uh, it's not hitting quite right. Yeah. And I think maybe it is the, like the, the that 90s slickness things going on yeah i agree but i mean it's these things about happiness and being free and stuff like typical monkey <laughs> topicalities but i don't know it is what it is yeah it's not bad not bad not bad so yeah i'm thinking um run run away from life where where do you think we should put that in there it's a, it's, it's a jamly <laughs> it's, it's jamly a, it's an upper upper jelly i would say for sure yeah it's a, uh, well, it's a fruit that? on the top yeah, let's just go right by right around PO box nine eight four seven. Where where do you want to put it around there? I'd say like right after that at number fifty one, right like yeah. the the top of the jellies. There we go. Good spot. Yes. Good call. Yes. And there she goes. Nice. Boom. So number fifty one with a bullet. Run away from <laughs> life. Just missing the top fifty. Oh darn. <laughs> All right, Paco, pass me that green wool hat of wonder. Wool hat of mystery. That is. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh oh! <laughs> Don't take justice out of the CD player just yet. Double because justice! Now, look at that. Double justice has not happened yet. Not I, this is the first here at Podcast Valley Sunday, and it's a you and I. Something that we realized we would always share, and it was you and I. You and I. Mickey Dolan's David Jones wrote this song originally appearing on uh, the Dolan's Jones Boyce and Heart album which was featured on our second special not too long ago it's a smash hit yeah uh, not the, the album itself but our episode about it <laughs> did all right and um, they both have the same amount of listens <laughs> I, I think after doing that one we can kind of agree just a brief aside here that the Dolan's Jones Boyce and Heart thing is like the 70s monkeys album Yes. Yeah. Because 
the, before we weren't like super super keen on even checking it out but it totally is a very monkeys type project and we i think we've gotten behind it since uh putting ourselves through that yeah i think so too i yeah i think a lot of people were saying about that too like i'm sorry you didn't like this album and i was like oh it wasn't that we didn't like the album it was a, yeah because well we definitely have some sort of some negative reactions in the moment i do <laughs> yeah for sure. but a lot of the songs definitely grew on us and uh this is this uh, song, you and I originally appeared on that album in a form, like you said, it was a bit churchy, a bit, uh, a bit earnest, a bit uh, acoustic-y, mm-hmm. uh, kumbaya kind of feeling. So, and then when they got around to doing this 90s reunion album with Justice, Davey and Mickey kind of dust off this song about, it seems to be about them and uh, just why they do it and uh, Promise is Not Broken and this and that. It, yeah. Maybe it is sort of like disguised as a romantic song, but I think it's kind of that's kind of them and their experiences. That's just my bold take on it. Yeah, like I, yeah, you were saying too is like the uh, like the longevity of Mickey and Davey sticking with it, and the monkeys still going into the '90s, which you know I bet a lot of not not a lot of people saw that coming. No, it's and, for uh, sure. Yeah, no, it was it was. It's good. It is what it is. And I can also say I definitely like this version better than the Dolan's Jones Boy's Heart version. I think I'm with you there. It's a little more peppy. And I also feel like this is a song that could have popped up on, like, Shrek 2. You know what I mean? It has, like, <laughs> them walking down, doing fun, something funny, Shrek slips in the mud or something like that, and this song's playing. Yeah, yeah. I think it could definitely uh, work out for that. I think we've got enough monkeys in Shrek, thanks. Yeah, I know. It should be a, like a combination. They should always be together now. <laughs> so, where do you feel you and I should go on the countdown here? Uh, do we put it above like the Magnolia Sims, Oklahoma Backroom Dancer, or is it below there in like the, the nearing the Jelly region? I would listen to the kind of girl I could love before this, and then it's Mr. Okay. Webster PO Box. I think I like the monkeyness of this above Mr. Webster. All right. I don't know. What do you think? Cool. No, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. All right. Ooh, it snuck into the top 50, number 49. Hey, not bad, not bad. And it pushed P.O. Box out of the top 50. I'm okay with that. Poor P.O. Box. <laughs> you and I is one of several songs with at least two versions in the monkey's canon. All right, so you get the honor of pulling the last one of the day. Let's see what we can do here. Let's get some radical. <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. This one. No, this one. No, this one. All right. I got one. Uh, that, that second one was the jam. I'm here we go. You bring the summer. Oh. They're all pretty recent. Yeah, this one has like one of those cool music videos. I'll bring the chips and the dips and root beer, even though dark. It's a great song. It's a great video. If you haven't seen the video, go right now. Check it out. It's nostalgic. It's fun. It wraps the whole Monkey's 60s career together. It's it's awesome. It's a great song. Written by Andy Partridge from XTC as well. Very cool. And uh, yeah, no, great song. Really like it. Yeah, man, from uh, Good Times, which is now oof, four years ago. Yeah. 
But no, notice the different vibes. We're listening to Justice. We're like, yeah, here it is. Yeah, this is a good song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then we get something from Good Times, and we're just like, there it is. All right. Uh, yes. This is Good Times, <laughs> and it's, it's a blast. It's, yeah, I don't know. I think the video does have a lot to do with it because yeah, it just brings it all together. It's the, the sun and the good vibes and all the little references for everybody to spot and it just just cemented how the good times project was for people who are into the monkeys made by people who are into the monkeys for people who are into the monkeys and i think that's the biggest difference between like pool it and uh uh justice is like it was people trying to bring the monkeys into the times those records were made rather than make a record for the monkeys for monkeys Mm -hmm. fans yeah, it was yeah. the first one. We've talked about it a million times. How great it is! For real, it's, it's for real. And Andy Partridge from uh, XTC, they do like uh, making plans for Nigel, and uh, Dear God, and uh, Earn Enough for Us. Like he's a great, great pop songwriter, and uh, it's very cool. He contributed such a neat tune with that inside out guitar riff, and I, don't know, yeah. I, I just really super duper dig this song. It's great. It's great. So jam or jelly. Just kidding. Well, Full on jam. I have a feeling it's not going anywhere near P.O. Box 9847. Yep, exactly. We're going a bit higher for this one. <laughs> like, dude, man, I might, like, I put this between, like, Girl I Knew Somewhere and Tapioca Tundra. That's, as, that's how high I would put this song. I adore this song. I would, I would sleep with this song on the first date. There you go. Wow. My goodness. <laughs> Gonna get a little timeshare. <laughs> I, I, I might counter that and go between Look Out, Here Comes Tomorrow and Valerie just a couple oh. down. Okay, okay. Like number 11. Oh, oh, oh. Or like, do you want to okay. go even between Valerie and I Love You Better at number that's 10? What, that's where we shall compromise right. on this. There we go. Yes, there we go. All right. So you, top 10. Top 10, you bring the summer. Top 10, you bring the summer. That's, I, I, I got to say, when I pulled it, I wouldn't have thought it would be going in the top 10. Well, but that's, I don't know. I super duper dig it. And uh, it's it's a go-to. If it comes up on my playlist, I'm like, uh, <laughs> not skipping you. No, it's a great monkey's vibe kind of song. <laughs> and I'm, gl- I'm glad we went out with it because uh, the other ones aren't bad songs, but they weren't like, they weren't top 10 material. I'll tell you that. Well, here we are. All right. Well, there it is. That is our episode for today. It's a big episode. Got I'm Monkey's bad. Manhattan style. We got a, a new top 10. I think and, I think our episode's about three times as long as the actual uh, story part of the episode itself. 100%. This, <laughs> this turned out to be a longer podcast than I had expected for this episode. That's for sure. For real. All right, Holmes. Well, yeah. Well, here, we'll, we'll break down the top 10 because we have a That's whole new idea. one. That's a good idea. All right, you can start with 10. Number 10, You Bring the Summer. The summer. Number 9, I Love You Better. I love you better. Number 8, Tapioca Tundra. It cannot be a part of me. Number 7, The Girl I Knew Somewhere. A girl that I knew somewhere. Number 6, You Just May Be the One. And you just may be the one. Number 5, Listen to the band. Listen to the band. Number four, Circle Sky. Circle Sky. Number three, Pleasant Valley Sunday. Pleasant Valley Sunday. 
Number two, line title, Do I Have to Do This All Over Again? Do I have to do this all over again? And Holden Strong, number one, from the movie and soundtrack head, Porpoise Song. Fantastic always. I just listened to that record the other yesterday. Oh yeah? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure anything's gonna knock it off the top, but hey man. You never know. We shall see. You never know. We still have a uh, Shorty Blackwell in the hat, so let's <laughs> see what happens. That's a game changer. <laughs> well, alright everyone, thank you for coming along for another ride for us. I hope you dug this episode. Yeah, yeah. Jeff, I hope you're you're super excited to talk to Dude. Mr. Mike Nesmith. <laughs> I mean, it's, I'm having an out of body experience. I'm expecting to like wake up and it's not real. So uh, thanks for that. And uh, yeah, I'm shitting my pants already. So yeah, it's good. There times. we go. That was my goal. So we're okay. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone out there, have yourselves a monkey's little evening. <laughs> Thank you. Bye bye. Hey, monkeys fans. With everything going on with social distancing, Podcast Valley Sunday will be on every two weeks. We hope you're staying safe, we hope you're staying at home, and we hope that you're listening to the Monkeys and obviously Podcast Valley Sunday. You can check us out on Facebook, on Instagram, and on YouTube. And please, rate us and leave a message. We'd love to hear from you. But, as always, be gentle with us. We're very sensitive. She's got my jacket.